0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: What is Chalkboard Chat? It's an MPB education podcast. It's a variety show providing information and resources for teachers, students, parents, guardians, and everyday people on various topics. It's learning something new with every publication. Chalkboard Chat. Find the podcast or listen from online. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts. It's a show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. It's an all-pet day here on Creature Comforts. The doors to our pet hospital are wide open. We're welcoming all pet questions from the big to the small. Do you have a cat or dog at home? Maybe both. Maybe both. Or do you have a question about an exotic pet like a rabbit, snake, or ferret? Don't hesitate to join our conversation. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. If you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning. Uh, Let's start with Libby, as we usually do. Libby, tell us what's been going on in and around your yard.
2: Oh good morning. Uh after all that rain this morning at breakfast we heard our first wood thrush of the season which was great to hear. Um beautiful little song and uh, the great crested flycatcher has returned. We've always tried to lure great crested flycatchers into um a, a, a nice big appropriate sized um nesting box and haven't gotten them to nest there yet but it's out again this year so maybe they'll decide to do that we've got our beautiful golden um swamp warblers or prothonotary warblers are back and uh warblers have been on and off i'm afraid we whether they left or it was not one of our nesting pairs so they moved on migrating uh, we had perulas for about three days and then had that hailstorm. It was pretty bad at our house. And um, I haven't seen the perula since. We've heard some in the woods, not up close to the house. But the you know the one that we thought must be our returning nesting perula has not been seen again. So we're worried about that. Let's see. Broad-headed skinks. I bought, there's a certain place on the little back porch that we um, always have broad-headed skinks. And yesterday, there was a kind of a, uh, uh, I think it's a, a, a pair that are, are mated, or were mating, and um, it, it's not as big. I've got a one great big one that we call the bull with a great big red head. And he was not involved, and I haven't seen him yet. He usually is right under a certain step and will stay the summer. So I'm hoping that I. Get to see the big guy, too. And let's see what else we've got. A bluebird nest that has not gone well. We've already lost one nest, lost an egg uh, one day, and then two days later, the other two eggs were gone. And that pair is investigating other birdhouses. So maybe they got discouraged with that one. So, in fact, they were looking in nest boxes that we didn't think were appropriate to bluebirds, and uh, have not selected one, though. There are a couple of, of more nesting boxes that are located in the right way for bluebirds. Whether they'll use those or not, we're waiting to see. And we've had monarchs on the place. That's something that our listeners need to look for. Uh, it, they were not on our milkweed, but we do have several patches of wil- milkweed, so hopefully they're, they've been with the milkweed And um, hopefully, we'll lay some eggs on ours. You know, that's the only plant that they can use as a host plant for their eggs and larvae. So, we've got that ready for them if they want to last or if they want to stay long enough on our, our land to do that.
1: Uh, So let me, the other day when I was taking my walk at the park in Pearl, I thought I heard an owl, and it would have been about uh, 4.30-ish or so. Is that, am I hearing things, or would they might possibly be talking at that hour?
2: Yeah, and really any time of the day or night, if an owl is awakened by something, and uh, it's not uncommon at all for them to make a little bit of noise there, do a little hooting, or just go ahead and identify where they are. Uh but they're they're probably, you know, catnapping all day on and off, waiting for dark. But yeah, I think it's not unlikely. Uh, you might listen to the um uh, to the owls, listen to barred owls and great horned owls. Those are the two that you were most likely to hear out there. And uh see if you can tell what you heard.
1: It's funny because uh, I think having done this show I'm kinda of more aware of you know, when you're out and about in nature, sights and sounds and that sort of thing. And I was walking along and I heard it and it was sort of in the back of my mind. And then finally I thought, wait a minute, that's an owl. So uh, I was very excited about that. So. Good
2: for you. Yeah. It it just, when you start thinking about it, I mean, there are bird songs no matter where you go, no matter how domesticated an area is. Uh,
1: it is all Pet Day on Creature Comforts, but also uh, our producer Java Chapman reminds us that it's National Siamese Cat Day. Uh, They're often a silver-gray color with blue eyes but can also have coats that are orange, brown, among other coat variations. When I was in high school, we had a brown Siamese cat. They're one of the oldest breeds of domesticated cats in the world, and their coat coloring is determined by genetics and the temperature of their surroundings. That's interesting. And they became popular in the U.S. after one was gifted to Lucy Hayes, wife of President Rutherford B. Hayes, by a diplomat serving in Thailand. So, Dr. Major, I imagine you've, you've come across a Siamese cat or two in your time.
3: Yes. Uh, I've had several Siamese over the years, and uh, they're they're interesting cats. Uh, they have their own personalities, of course, just like any cat does, but they're a little special. Uh, interesting about the color uh, as far as the temperature uh, causing changes. I've seen where we have, have to have a bandage or a wrap, a cat, uh, the Siamese, and it will change colors hmm. underneath that, that wrap simply because of the difference in temperature. But that's, that's interesting. They're, they're very unique cats. Uh, a lot of people think they're pretty mouthy. They like to talk. <laughs> uh, and we see a wide range of Siamese, uh, from the, uh, basic, small Siamese to very large. And some of the Siamese that are outside are very territorial. Uh, they don't let any other cat or any dog in the yard. Hmm. I've had instances where they very particular of their area.
1: Yeah, the one we had was very vocal, and I think she also... Um, got we got her catnip for Christmas one year, and she ran up the Christmas tree. So that was the last time <laughs> she got
3: that. Well, I guess that was kind of to be expected in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah enjoy it while it lasts, because you ain't getting any more, that's for sure. Right. Right. Hey, we've got a couple of uh, calls to get to. Looks like we could uh, bring Libby in on the response, at least to, to this first one. So let's say good morning to Patrice in Biloxi. You're on there with us. Go ahead.
0: Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Yesterday, I was at Davis Bayou State Park in Ocean Springs, and I was observing an alligator. And there was this funny little creature uh, moving next to it. It looked like like a maybe a three pronged piece of white ragged string, and it was it was like undulating. You know what I'm talking? And then and then the alligator
2: reached out and ate it. Oh goodness. Oh, all right. It was how small was it? A we're we talking about Let's, a pretty good size alligator, and a...
0: yes, it was, it was uh, maybe it was. It looked like an adult alligator, not huge, medium size. And then this little creature, though I've never seen it. I took a video of it, and it undulated
2: um, and, and moved in that manner but uh, was it like snake like was it a long skinny um it was um it looked like a flat piece of string that's ragged it's ragged I mean, and you were pretty close to it very i was above it i was standing okay, above it okay you need to yeah would you send us that video or just a little piece of it and, I would
1: love to. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll see if we can figure that out. That's intriguing. And Libby has a good network of folks that will help her out. So if you could uh, send it to animals, plural, at mpbonline.org, and we'll see if we can't help you identify what that was. Thank
0: you so much.
1: All right. Thanks for your call. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines here for just a minute. Next to Gulfport we go. Rebecca is on the line. It's your turn, Rebecca. Go ahead
0: good morning i just wanted to let libby know that her favorite little bird is back in my yard my chuck will's widow is yelling its head off oh my goodness i hope he's not keeping you away <laughs> uh, it was four o'clock in the morning That's really- he's, got, he's mostly vocal is when it's really early in the morning
2: <laughs> oh no That's the so first- he is well you know um I've had several friends talk about theirs in the evening, but nobody but you has talked about them. That you've got an early bird.
0: Well, they <laughs> they start about nine ten o'clock in the evening, and and they go through until four five o'clock in the morning. I never heard them so during what the you've day, got I'm got only here sure huh. Yeah,
2: yeah. You've got the, the well, night owl. Well, I drive a taxi. Over. I'm yeah, up all I'm, hours. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then that maybe that suits you. Maybe that's your bird. Good luck Yeah, I got it. my bird back. I hope it finds a mate. I hope it
1: has a mate. All right, uh, Rebecca. I
2: haven't,
4: I haven't heard the mate yet, but I do. All right. They, they scream at each other. All right, you guys have a
1: blessed yep. day. Thanks, Rebecca, for your call. Thanks. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Today we're taking your pet questions and talking about your encounters with nature. If you want to join the conversation with your question or comment, you can email animals at mpbonline.org. Got another caller on the line, so we say good morning to our friend Rachel from Eupora. Good morning, Rachel. It's your turn. Go ahead.
0: Good morning. So I would like to know our uh, two experts' opinions about uh, baby animals given to uh, children at Easter time, bunnies and baby ducks and baby chicks. What are the pros and cons? And in my mind, it's just cons, but I'll I'll leave it up to the experts to have the last word.
1: All right. Uh, Dr. Major, why don't you comment on that first?
3: You know, that's a very, uh, what should I say, for some people it's a difficult question. I personally don't recommend it uh, as far as the uh, bird, the chickens or ducks or uh I guess rabbits, possibly. These things need to be, if if you're going to do, if you're going to have baby animals like that, uh, you need to think about it and not necessarily do it at at Easter time. I would suggest that there's a better time and place and to be better prepared also. I'd say the large majority of these little animals probably uh, expire. They don't make it. And uh, I just don't recommend it for Easter.
1: Libby, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, that's what I would say too. Uh, You know, a a baby animal, if you're, I guess, potentially, if a family is already raising chickens or ducks and they get some new ones at Easter, it might not be terrible. But mostly, like, there's so many other things that are going on at Easter if they're dealing with their egg hunts and all that, because it's serious business to get a new animal into your home or your yard. So, um, I I, you know you just don't want it to be a a a three day play thing that's
1: mm-hmm.
2: not a good message to children,
1: yeah, I would agree I think that that's uh, the case is that i I would think that the novelty might wear off very quickly and then you're stuck with the reality of having to, to take care of of a of a somewhat exotic creature that's not kind of like a cat or dog that we're so all sort of used to taking care of so um I think it's yeah Dr-
2: I think it's always a Not a good idea to get an animal on a whim, either, any time of year. You know, like like Tori said, it has to be planned for, and the child has to be ready for that responsibility if they're going to really be involved.
1: Uh, So, Rachel, thanks for the call. And I'll I'll say the the bunny I like in Easter is the big chocolate one. So uh, (laughs) still to this very day, if if someone were to give me a chocolate Easter bunny, I would gladly accept it. (laughs) This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, all pet day-to-day. So if you have a pet question, you can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Quick story about my cat. You know, we talk frequently about uh, the misnomer, how cats are very standoffish and that sort of thing. Well, I, I, I guess as he gets older, he's looking for more companionship because he's become a little more involved in, you know, trying to be around me recently. Uh, his favorite thing to do now is if I'm sitting at my little tray table eating dinner or whatever, he just likes to jump up in my lap and stand there. He doesn't really want to go anywhere. And uh, if I try to gently ease him off the, the chair, he, he, he somehow resists that. So he just likes to kind of stand there and say, hey, I'm in the center of attention And then, you know, the other thing, and this is a lot where they plop themselves down in the center of what you're doing. I swear, I'm doing a Lego thing. And so I've got this book that's telling me which piece to put where. And he'll come and sit right exactly in the center of the book to where you cannot see what is on the page. And it's amazing to me how he knows exactly where to sit to uh, to be right there in the center of things and. Usually if I give him a little attention, he'll he'll wander off for a little while, but he, he likes to come back and say, Hey, don't forget about me, I'm I'm still here. So um I think all cat owners can probably relate to that. And Dr. Major, they're not as standoffish as, as we might think.
3: Oh no, and of course remember whole thing about cats is uh, personality can change overnight and may start doing some things that haven't been done. I know my cats tend to like to rely on electronics. I mean, if you're working on a computer or doing something, uh, they'll get right on top of that if they could. Uh, the other place, there's a, uh, a place on our stairs that the cats like to get in. It makes you wonder if there's some kind of electronic signal there because they'll, they'll get there, and, uh, and really you'll see them there just about uh, every day at least. So maybe they're recharging. I don't know. But uh, it is uh, it is amazing how they want to get on the computer or on the keyboard uh, if if you're doing something.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's always right in the middle of things. And so they, they know that they have become de facto the center of attention because you've got to do something to, you know, either you're stuck look, sitting at him, looking at him, or whatever. And as I say, you know, the other funny thing, too, is this cat is very stubborn in the fact that, like I say, if he's doing something, I'll kind of push him off my lap or whatever, he'll sit there for a minute and look at me. And he's like, no, nah, I ain't finished. And he'll hop right back up on top. So you you, <laughs> you sure. got to love a cat, uh, you know, and that's the thing. Hey, if that's kind of fun to you, you get a cat. If it wasn't, then you sure, certainly wouldn't. But I certainly enjoy uh, his personality. That's for sure. Hey, Dr. Major, we got a couple of cat emails here. Let's read this first one that says, I have a cat that goes outside to eat grass. Then she promptly comes inside and throws up. This is a regular habit. Is something wrong? She seems healthy otherwise. Should I bring her to the vet or supplement her with something? She's predominantly an inside cat, but does enjoy a stroll in the garden during a sunny day. I do not use chemical sprays in my yard. So any thoughts on a grass-eating cat?
3: You know, this is something that uh, I won't say all cats do, but a lot of them do. And they will selectively eat certain types of grass. You know, if you watch them, they may go plant to plant. A lot of people have, you know, yards they're free of weeds and things, but if you had uh, different types of plants there that you notice the cat would go eat them. And often they will throw up. Some people feel like this is the system to kind of purge the uh, stomach, uh, get uh, maybe hair and this sort of thing out of the stomach when they throw up. Uh, and as long as this is an occasional thing or even once a day after eating grass, I would not think it's a real problem. Continued throwing up or vomiting. Certainly, you would need to get in to see your vet. But this is probably pretty normal with this cat, and I would say a good thing that you aren't spraying uh, the grass with either herbicides or insect control.
1: Okay, so you yeah, normal behavior, but then if it gets a little bit out of hand, that might be the time to at least let, kind of let the vet in on it and, and, and uh, plan some strategy from right. that.
3: And, and, you know, my cat, I've got one now that has been... <laughs> You know, throwing up hairballs, I've got to take laxatone home today, which is a lubricant, and give him a couple of doses of that. That should help with the hairballs. So it's not uncommon to have that happen also. And sometimes they will uh, go to a houseplant if you don't have the opportunity for them to go out. Just be sure your houseplants are not poisonous to cats. All
1: right. Uh, we've got uh, Kathleen from Osaka on the line, so we'll say good morning to her. Good morning, Kathleen. You're on the air with us.
0: Well, good morning. This is this is a call to celebrate the life of that little rabbit. I remember Dr. Troy and I, I called in. We couldn't figure out why uh, the age was so much. Uh, it was even more than I thought because I got her in the winter of 2013, 2014, and it was a rescue rabbit. <laughs> But uh, she just passed uh, about two weeks ago, and she had such a personality. Sometimes to talk people into taking in these animals and say, we never know what you're going to get. But uh, she lived a long, happy life, and she actually learned how to swim. She enjoyed her animal crackers. And every day she got her little treats out of the little little grassroots seeds and flowers in the yard that I had learned to pick for her over the years. But we were lucky to have her, and she had uh, the cutest little, uh like a gold thread in a heart shape running around her snoop. It was like a heart imprinted on there. It was hair that was gold colored. But it was kind of nice just to see that a creature that was so mistreated turned around and had a, a really good life. And I got a kick out of hearing from you about how old she was. But I figured it out. She was a year when I got her. And uh, I guess she was around 11, maybe almost 12 years old. So for a rabbit, she did good.
3: That's pretty awesome. Great. You did a great job.
1: Uh, Thanks for the call, Kathleen. And I'll say that uh, I think that that might be uh, anybody who rescues a pet that, uh, I think is on the back end is certainly one of the rewarding things when you see, you know, how you've take care of them and have really helped them, uh, when they were down and out or whatever. I think that that's, uh, certainly a, a good feeling. I know, uh, I think I might've shared on the air before that my cat, um, when he was a little kitten, uh, was abandoned outside the, the MPB studios here and a, a coworker, uh, found him in the bushes. And so, um. I was uh, at the time I was I had had another cat that had died. And so I was like, do I want another cat or not? But once what if you're a cat lover and you see a picture of a kitten, uh, it's hard to resist. And so uh, he certainly has become a handful. And again, kind of gives me a good feeling knowing that I helped him out of that uh, situation. Because, again, that you know, when things like that happen to our our pets, it's certainly not anything that they would have done. So thanks to everybody out there who uh, who takes in. Um, those types of dogs and cats and other kind of animals. So uh, here is another uh, cat email for you, Dr. Major. This one says, we have a cat who's decided that the clean litter box is just fine as long as he's placed in it by one of us. Otherwise, he'll squat on the living room rug for most of his solid waste. I think he might actually use the box for urine, so I'm not sure what's happening in his head. He's had a history of this behavior going on for several years. Any suggestions on something that we might not have tried yet?
3: Gosh i th- I said th- th- sounds like a problem there, but my questions would be number one, how large is the cat uh if it's a big cat, sometimes they don't really fit in the litter box too well. I have one cat that's we have more than remember the old thing of one litter box per cat mm-hmm. plus one, so I have uh three different litter boxes, and I guess one of them. It's certainly big enough for the big cat, but he can actually hang out of a, a the a smaller litter box, and he, we have a pad on the floor where he could poop on the floor. But this other one, it's kind of kind of strange that he's wanting to go far away. So maybe add another litter box, make, make sure it's large enough, and it would be interesting to know how old this cat is, because some of the older cats do have problems in defecating uh, and. You know, They may think they've gone or go to the litter box and then come back out and then have uh, stool somewhere else. So that's something we have to think
1: about. Could it be that he got used to getting a grind to the bathroom, as it were, and so he's thinking, my humans are going to continue to do this for me?
3: It's kind of strange, yeah. How are you going to be around the cat all the time to make sure that he goes? I don't know. That is a different situation. And uh, just. Maybe add a, a bigger litter box somewhere, see if that helps. And uh, if the cat is old, you may consider that he may have arthritis. It could be an issue. There are some medications now. There's an injectable now that can be given uh, once a month or every six weeks that can help with arthritis and difficulty in moving. So it would be interesting to know how old this cat is and whether he has any motion problems.
1: But I do like your idea of the extra litter box. And so I would think also this might be the time for the emailer to loop in uh, their vet and uh, just make him aware of the situation and maybe team up to try to figure out what's going on.
3: Exactly. Thank you.
1: All right. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Today, we're taking your pet questions and talking about your encounters with nature. To join our conversation, you can email the show by sending it to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Dr. Major, as the temperatures get warmer, as they eventually will, uh, as certainly as we head into summer, uh, do pet owners or will pet owners know more uh, uh, notice more um, shedding from both either their cats or dogs? And I guess this would be normal, maybe?
3: You know, <laughs> shedding is a constant thing for a lot of for a lot of pets, there are some seasonal shedders. Uh, that some of the longer-haired uh, dogs, like a Siberian Husky, uh, some uh those those do have some. Uh, you may pick up like a bushel of hair uh, from those. I recommend as often as you can brushing or combing, and that that does help remove a lot of the hair that would be shed. But yes. It does seem to be seasonal at this point, but uh, we see shedding year-round. And, you know, they sell things for shedding. It's called no-shed, low-shed, whatever. <clears throat> but all of those, so they apply it, rub it in, and then brush or comb. So what you're doing is combing and brushing anyway. So I think it makes a healthy coat to do that, to brush or comb. Regularly, it helps to keep the mats out. And uh, I think you'll find that uh, really that's probably a lot of times better than having to go to a, have a bath because it's it's a chore to bathe the dog, especially <laughs> a large dog. And certainly in cats, I would really recommend most people not have to even attempt to bathe the cat. There's all things online that shows the different ways that people try to uh, bathe the cat or give a cat a pill. And some of them are very hilarious but they also uh, cat can be quite upset.
1: Yeah, so um uh it also I think the pets seem to enjoy especially maybe if you start out early as a, a puppy or a kitten uh the, that that uh, you know with a brush or comb that that's a pleasurable thing for them running through their fur.
3: Yes it is and it's uh they do uh, most most of them really appreciate it I think uh my cats and and dogs I'll be honest with you, I don't do it as often as I should, but uh, you do get a lot of the hair this time of year, especially just by combing and brushing.
1: All right, and, you know, uh, a lot of times when we have emails and things, we talk about, uh, you know, you give some advice, but then we always talk about looping in a a local veterinarian. Um, So what are some signs of uh, possible illness in pets that owners might overlook but are really maybe something that they – might need to pay a little bit of attention to?
3: Sure. Uh, one of the things, back going back to the uh, shedding and everything, normal shedding is probably pretty, pretty okay uh, as long as we're not having patches of skin showing. In other words, if uh, hair is not being replaced. But in the normal shed. Now, there are other things that can cause some issues. One of those would be hypothyroidism, for example. Um, in, in dogs, a lot of times you'll have a sparse hair coat and a pattern-type ball. There are all different things like that that you do need to see your vet for if it's unusual shedding. Uh, but as far as things that we need to look for as far as our pet, you know, the most common things that <clears throat> I think we see would be maybe an upper respiratory thing where the dog is sneezing, uh, having nasal discharge. Same thing true with the cat. If this is transitory for 24, 48 hours, probably okay. But if it persists, you do need to talk to your vet, see your vet. Uh, This time of year, we see a lot of uh, paritis or scratching, uh, and a lot of this is caused by allergies. But remember that fleas are making a big uh, bloom, if you will. Uh, Fleas are becoming very active. Uh, We're seeing a lot of them. And there's some good medications to help prevent fleas. Uh, The other things would be vomiting. Uh, If an animal vomits once, throws up, you know, probably that's okay, especially if there's just food or uh, water. But if it's persistent several times, you really need to see your vet. The same thing would be true with diarrhea. Uh, it's not something that you would expect for the animal to have. It's only good, good diet. But diarrhea, you need to, uh, one of the tip offs You need to see your vet.
1: This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's an all pet day, so Dr. Troy Major is ready to help answer your pet questions. Also, we'd love to hear your encounters with nature. So, if you've had one recently uh, that you'd like to share, we could. Uh, we'd love to hear that as well. And if you've uh, seen something out and about while you're uh, enjoying nature in Mississippi, and not sure what it is, uh, an animal or that sort of thing, if you'll send it to us at animals at mpbonline dot org, we'll can't we'll see if we can't uh, figure out what it is and help you identify what you've taken a picture of. All right, so Dr. Major, the spring season is here, and it's not unusual in Mississippi. We've had several rounds of severe weather. So uh, one thing I would like to say is what I've done recently, if there's a tornado warning and you have to get in your safe space, you know, in your part of the house away from windows and all that, uh, I've uh, put my cat's uh, pet carrier in there and I've started kind of putting him in that so where he waits out the um, the warning with me in his carrier. And I figured that way, if something were to happen, you know, the pet is right there where you can get to him because, I'm, uh, you know, if... It would be bad enough to have some damage from a tornado, but to lose a pet along with it would be very tragic, I think. So just a one tip, you know, have something to where you can kind of keep an eye on your pets and keep them safe uh, if you're in a severe weather situation. But that also leads us to the fact that, you know, dogs and cats, especially, or maybe more so dogs, not quite sure, but, you know, sometimes they get spooked during uh, thunder and that sort of thing, bad weather. Um, and we've talked about it before, but remind us of some of the things that you might do if you have a pet that's especially nervous when it comes to bad weather.
3: Good, good questions. Uh, great that you've thought about putting your cat in the carrier uh, during the time when you may have a very severe weather warning. Uh, cats are pretty good at finding a hiding place, but then you'd be hard-pressed to find, the, find that cat if there was a, a disaster. So I like the idea of the crate. Uh, and that should give some extra protection as well. Uh, There are quite a few uh, dogs especially that have, what shall I say, thunderstorm, anxiety, weather anxiety, and a lot of these dogs can anticipate the changes in uh, barometric pressure, and also I'm sure they have more acute hearing, and they can know when a thunderstorm is getting close when you might not even be aware of it. Uh, some of the dogs have to have some medication for this. I mean, it's just that way. Uh, everything, a lot of things, have used from tranquilizer, trazodone, acepromazine. Uh, some some of the dogs respond to uh, mild tranquilizers. Others, uh, I know a few dogs that have to be on uh, basically generic Prozac. So. That's a little bit to the extreme. Uh, some dogs really respond well to uh, the swaddling, a thundershirt type uh, uh, thing, where you actually have a fairly tight-fitting jacket or shirt uh, that seems to help give the dogs some comfort. But there's some of them that really, really, really have a hard time with these thunderstorms, which we have plenty of them, it seems like, this time of year.
1: Yes, uh, more so, I think, than than most of us really would want to have to put up with. It's been really bad. It seems like almost every week here the last uh, couple of weeks we've had some. So uh, just a reminder to stay weather aware, uh, but also when you are, uh, you know, hunkering down, as it were, uh, don't forget about your pets because they need protection as well. Got another yeah, call. Go ahead. Sorry.
3: I guarantee your cat has got a hiding place <laughs> or two that you don't, that you don't know about uh, <laughs> because you are at home all the time. And know your cat's got one or two hiding places that you
1: oh, know security i you know it's funny he does because you know a lot of times he makes himself known with meowing and that sort of thing but for a while i'm like well i haven't heard from him recently and i look through the house and i swear i looked through all the hiding places where i thought he knew about and he's not there then all of a sudden you turn around and he's walking down the hallway like what's the big deal? So yeah, he's, uh, he has a number of them. I'm sure that he goes where nobody knows where he is. So <laughs> more power to him. <clears throat> We've got a caller on the line. So we're going to say good morning to Susan, who's called in from Hattiesburg. Susan, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please.
0: Hey, good morning. I have a question about uh, Great Pyrenees. My neighbors have one and she's got mats on her and, you know, a bunch of hair and, and really dense mats and Uh, when I mentioned maybe they should get her shaved, they said you don't clip or cut the hair of Greek peonies. I'm wondering if that's true or not, and I'll hang up and listen. Thank you.
3: Okay, it sounds like they've gotten in a situation where they do have a lot of mats, and I'm not sure exactly why they're so opposed to this. Uh, As we just talked about earlier, good combing and grooming, certainly the mats could be removed. Uh, They may not want to do that. I don't know, but I know of no cases where uh, in the Great Pyrenees that the hair has not grown back after being sheared. We've had to shear some who were in deplorable shape, either abandoned, uh, this sort of thing, and uh, the mats can be quite painful. Uh, If you can imagine having mats right tight to your skin, uh, just motion and moving uh, certainly can cause some pain. So I'm, I'm not opposed to... Uh, sharing of a Great Pyrenees.
1: And I would imagine that the pet probably feels lighter and better after having some of that excess fur sheared off, I would imagine.
3: Right. In an ideal world, you wouldn't share a Great Pyrenees. But if you've got these mats like that, I don't think it's right to leave them.
1: And again, going back, if you keep a regular brushing routine, then the chance of the mats developing is reduced. All righty. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. It's an all pet day today, so we've been looking for your pet questions. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. So let's return to the phone lines. Off to past Christian we go. Cindy has called in today. Good morning, Cindy. Go ahead.
4: Uh, good morning. Hi. Um, I just wanted to put this out there. Um, I'm fostering a, um, a little dog. He's a year and a half old, and he has heartworms. And um, so he's he's just had his heartworm treatment uh, the fast kill treatment with the injections, and uh, you know yeah, he has to be kept quiet and the recovery is extremely important and all that. but I just wish that you would address the heartworm problem and to people and let them know that um, how important it is to get that heartworm treatment because you know it just it's just a horrible thing and a lot of people think, oh, I just give him the heartworm preventative thing and then he had heartworms, but I wouldn't do that to my dog and keep him confined for a whole month. You know, it's just not clear in people's minds what a big ordeal it is and how important it is to get the heartworm treatment. So I just thought I I was listening and I was thinking and looking at my little foster dog thinking... You know, thank goodness I'm saving his little life here. Um, and uh, so, anyway, that's it.
1: All right. Uh, thanks for the call, Doctor Major. We've talked about that, but remind us again of, uh, as she says, of the importance of, of uh, heartworm prevention.
3: Right. It's a great. That's a great call and great subject. Uh, as most of our listeners would know, uh, heartworms are spread by mosquitoes, <clears throat> and we have mosquitoes here year round. Uh, so. Just as a quick uh, reference, the mosquitoes take a blood, blood meal from a dog that has heartworms. They have tiny microfilaria circulating in the blood and stays in the mosquito. It transfers to another dog or even back to the same dog. And it takes six months uh, to have an adult heartworm appear. Okay, so here's the thing. Much easier to prevent than it is to treat. Treatment certainly is possible we recommend starting uh, heartworm preventive at around 12 weeks of age if possible. We used to say longer than that, but we found that certainly uh, it's much more effective to start at about 12, 13 weeks of age with heartworm preventive. Discuss all this with your veterinarian. Um, And it's very important if you use a monthly heartworm preventive to give it the same time every month. Um, and there have been studies that show that people that buy heartworm preventive, the monthly heartworm preventive, that they only buy probably about 75 to 80% of the time. In other words, 75 to 80% to cover the year. So there's usually some gaps in that. Sometimes economics, sometimes financial situation may have an influence here. But regular checkups, buy your vet you can do heartworm tests. And certainly, as the caller said, treatment uh, can be done, and uh, it's something that you need to talk to your veterinarian if your dog is positive for heartworms. So I just can't emphasize enough, the heartworm does not eat the heart tissue, but it interferes with the blood flow, and it produces little, literally thousands of baby heartworms that circulate throughout the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. So it's very important, and we're kind of at the epicenter here in the South and uh, need to be aware of it all the time.
1: All right. Uh, Let's uh, go back to the phone lines. It's Mikey in Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. You're on the air with us.
0: Good morning. Um, I'd like to just point out that there are some benefits to having uh, no mats in your dog's hair. I mean, I can't imagine a great pyramid, what it must be like for that. Because mine, I got one that's, you know, plus or minus nine pounds and the other ones is just about twice as big. They're both half chihuahuas. And the shedding, particularly at this time of year, it would be two inches deep sometimes. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You know, you gotta sweep and you sweep and then ten minutes later, It's it's only an inch deep this time, but you still got, you know, you wait 30 minutes and, hey, give it another go. Uh, This this stuff, Kevin, you and I have talked about it. You said that you got one called the Furminator, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. And I I found one made by a company called uh, Oster, O-S-T-E-R, the Shed Monster. Now, this one has a picture of a cat on it, but, hey, it works fabulously for my little half-chihuahua um uh one of them's half two one half maltese, so he's the one that the matting was really it was just, it was painful to see, and i didn't know for so long what to do um but and now at first, they were kind of you know how they are they go well I don't know <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like but after the you know i sorry just wet, did it patiently. Every two or three days, we would go back over it and, you know, get a few more of the mats out and stuff. And now it's it's once a week or once every couple of weeks, even, you know, to brush him. And he asks me for it, <laughs> you know. And even Lola. Oh, God, Miss Lola. she's Lola's a thing, all right. <laughs> and uh, uh, even she likes it. And uh, she has the more coarse, short kind of fur. His is, is uh, shaggy. And... Um, it's kind of fairy fur, you know, he's very fluffy, and they but now they both like it so much. I like not having to spend half of my life sweeping. And I found another bonus um, if you're a gardener, <laughs> because it collects it collects the the fur as it goes. It pulls it out, you know, gently pulls it away before it falls off all over the place. Mm -hmm. But I'm left with this collection, and I found there's another bonus that I hadn't even thought of, that if I take that fur and put it in the bottom of a pot before I transplant something, (laughs) it's perfect.
1: And that that might be a tip not even Felder knows about, uh, Mikey. So... We appreciate your call, and, and, and Dr. Major, what she said is good. If you have the mats, you know, slowly and surely, work it with the comb or the brush. Uh, But as she said, and and I think a lot of us have experienced, once our pets get used to that, they they do kind of enjoy it, and it could be invigorating when they've got that brush working through their fur.
3: It is, and be careful if you use scissors. Uh, Certainly, I've seen quite a few dogs over the years or cats over the years that had uh, skin cut trying to cut a mat out, so be
1: very careful.
3: Uh, with that, when you're, uh, uh, I would recommend using the Furminator or something similar to try to get those mats out.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, again, the is one of them, uh, Mikey mentioned another one. So there are d- several different uh, types, but uh, it is amazing when you start using one, the amount of fur that's pulling off of there. And as Mikey said, the, the value there is uh, you're doing it ahead of a time and then you're brushing it off instead of having to sweep it up off of the floor somewhere. So that is going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by listeners like you. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit creaturecomforts.mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Liz Gill. So for Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Up next, it's AutoCorrect. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.
3: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.